worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Thursday, November 5th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Here are some thoughts on the complicated legacy of the gunpowder plots. Why Nebraska's electoral votes are so weird and the man responsible for keeping them weird. And inspired by the Korean practice of nunchi, some tips on being a better communicator in virtual spaces. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Today is the 5th of November, Guy Fox Day, as it's known in the United Kingdom, or sometimes Bonfire Nights. And those celebrations will be canceled or tamped down this year as today marked the return of lockdown in the United Kingdom. Typically, it's a festive night of fireworks, bonfires, and general celebration originally rooted in commemorating the day that the gunpowder plot was thwarted. A quick refresher. On November 5th, 1605, Guy Fawkes, along with a group of other English Catholics, initiated their plans to blow up the Houses of Parliament, with Protestant King James I inside. The plan fell apart when one of the conspirators sent an anonymous letter to a Catholic member of Parliament warning him to stay away for his own safety. That member of Parliament reported the letter, and it all dissolved from there. Guy Fawkes, who masqueraded as a servant to plant the gunpowder, was caught, tortured until he revealed the names of his co-conspirators, and eventually executed. The first Guy Fawkes Day was held the following year by official edict and included effigies, both large and small, of Guy Fawkes. Some celebrations continue this tradition, or sub in Fawkes for current political leaders, Originally, in the years immediately following the gunpowder plot, Guy Fawkes was recognized as a total villain. His name, Guy, before it came to mean just a regular man, came to be used as a word for someone particularly grotesque, as Fawkes himself did have quite particular facial features, ones that would eventually inspire the mask used in the movie V for Vendetta and of course going on from there to become a symbol of anti-establishment protests. And that is one of the fascinating parts of this almost revisionist history of Guy Fawkes, which Yasmin Serhan elaborated on in a great piece in The Atlantic last year, how Guy Fawkes went from an extremist villain to a populist hero, largely thanks to V for Vendetta, which kind of rebranded him as an anti-fascist. 
And in the films, more so than in the comics, he's a bit of a relatable, almost romantic character. And while the character V is painted as saving a crumbling Britain from an authoritarian government, Fox was acting just for the radical few. Catholics were persecuted in England at the time, but as Alistair Bellany, a professor of history at Rutgers University, told The Atlantic, quote, He may have wanted religious freedom, but it's unlikely that if he was in a position of power, he would have extended that freedom to his religious enemies. He wanted a Catholic kingdom, end quote. And yet the sentiments of V in the film adaptation were strong enough for the mask to become a symbol unto itself, one of many meanings, but most arguably far removed from the original sentiments of Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot. Quoting The Atlantic, The mask soon emerged in anti-government demonstrations worldwide, from the 2011 Occupy Wall Street movement to protests in Bahrain, Thailand, and Saudi Arabia. The mask also became the symbol of the hacktivist group Anonymous. James Sharp, the author of Remember, Remember, A Cultural History of Guy Fawkes Day, told me that even the Guy Fawkes Inn, a York pub located across the street from where its namesake was baptized, swapped its original portrait of Fox for one of the iconic mask. The modern perception, the mask, and so on, is a complete reconfiguration of Fox, Sharp said. End quote. David Lloyd, who designed the mask for the film, called it, quote, an all-purpose badge of protest and rebellion, end quote. But meanwhile, Nick Holland, author of The Real Guy Fox, said, quote, People will hold him up as a symbol of whatever they want to believe in, but we're getting further and further away from the man that he was, end quote. And as Saran wrote in The Atlantic, quote, How we remember Fox both as a person and a symbol presents a case study for how the meaning of historical events can be bent to serve the religious, political, and cultural needs of the present. But it also presents a fundamental question about how much is too much historical alteration. By turning people into symbols, do we run the risk of changing them into someone they weren't? End quote. It's something to think about, not least of which because Guy Fox wasn't even the only person involved. A man named Robert Catsby is the one who came up with the whole idea for the gunpowder plot. But people don't burn effigies of him. So we are two days out from the U.S. general election, and as of recording, we still don't know the winner of the presidential race or of a few key Senate races. Much of the world has their eyes peeled on places like Nevada, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and generally just the weirdo math of U.S. electoral points. If you're not from the U.S., the way we award points to the presidential candidates probably looks like a steaming hot mess. I mean, even if you're from the U.S., it still looks like a mess, but at least it's one that we were most likely taught in school and refresh our minds on every couple of years. The gist is that each state gets the same number of electoral votes as they do Congress people, which varies state to state and is based roughly on the population as determined by the most recent census. So, for example, California gets 55 electoral votes, while a much less densely populated state like Wyoming gets three. The way the electoral votes are cast depends on how many popular votes are received across the state, with most states doing a winner-take-all approach. But there are two U.S. states that have a split electoral system, meaning they actually cast their votes based on congressional district and not as a state overall. 
So they give two votes to the popular winner overall, and then one to each congressional district determined by the winner of that district. That's why, if you look closely, Vice President Biden currently has three electoral votes in Maine, but President Trump also has one. And in Nebraska, President Trump currently has four electoral votes, but Vice President Biden additionally has one. And part of the reason this oddity still exists in Nebraska is thanks to a man named Ernie Chambers. Having just recently retired, Ernie Chambers is the longest-serving state senator in Nebraskan history, having served from 1971 to 2009 and again from 2013 to his retirement this year. For much of his time in office, he was the only black state senator in Nebraska, in fact, the only non-white state senator, and for a period of time, he was also the only openly atheist legislator in any state in the U.S., According to a great Twitter thread by Dr. Andrew R. Schrock yesterday, Nebraska implemented their split electoral system in 1992, but have long since been trying to get rid of it. And they got close in 2016, but Senator Chambers filibustered to keep it in place. Split electoral systems make a big difference in solidly red or blue states that do have some districts that swing in the opposite. Like New York, which is solidly blue thanks to New York City, but has huge swaths of red districts upstate. New York does not have a split electoral vote system, but it could make a difference if it did. Nebraska, meanwhile, is a pretty solidly red state, but its second congressional district, where Omaha is located, tends to swing blue, although not always. During his filibuster, Chambers argued that keeping their congressional district version of electoral votes was a more democratic way of doing things, saying, quote, It means that now when people start organizing at the neighborhood level, it matters because we can get one of those votes, end quote. He and others argue that this method motivates more people to vote because they can more readily see the tangible effects of their vote making a difference. Either way, it's one of the strange little ripples in the complicated landscape of U.S. electoral politics. And if you want to learn more about Ernie Chambers, because he is a very fascinating fellow, I will link to the Twitter thread that I read, which shares a few documentaries he's appeared in over the years. You'd think that several months into conducting so much of our lives via video conference, we'd all finally be a little less awkward. And yet, speaking for myself, nothing's really changed. I mean, if anything, myself and others I know are increasingly more awkward, both in person and on video calls. So maybe we all need to spend some time developing our digital nunshi which technically means I measure in Korean, but is really one of the words without a direct English translation, and there's a bit of debate as to exactly what it means. Quoting Wired, According to Professor Hyo Jae-hong, a leading researcher on the subject, there is little consensus on its exact definition. He describes it as the act of figuring out what your counterpart thinks and feels in a certain situation and acting accordingly. But many English-speaking Koreans equate it to simply reading the room, end quote. Yuni Hong brought the concept to the American masses last year with her book The Power of Nunchi, The Korean Secret to Happiness and Success, but some Korean people say it's a uniquely Korean thing that can't really be applied in other countries. And 
maybe those of us who aren't Korean can't exactly get it, but Hana Yoon did propose a few ways that we can apply some concepts from Nunchi, which refers primarily to physical interactions, to our new digital spaces to help us all become a little less awkward. The first tip is to work on your cognitive empathy. And a great way to practice this is to start with active listening. Quoting Yoon and Wired, To be a better active listener, you need to pay attention to every word and intonation when being spoken to. And then, without judgment or snark, restate what you've heard to allow the speaker a chance to clarify or elaborate. Not only does active listening help you become more observant, the act alone helps you become more empathetic. End quote. And another way to deepen your cognitive empathy is by reading more fiction. Really. A number of studies over the last decade have shown marked increases in empathy over time from reading fiction. And you also want to pay attention to how others are listening or not, and pay attention to more nonverbal cues. If you're on a video call, watch the kinds of facial expressions people are making or what their posture is like. Listen to the tone of their voice. And if you're text chatting, notice if people have stopped replying, what emojis they may use, or any subtext that you can glean from their words and how they write them. Though one challenge to be aware of is that you need a little context on a person's background to get a handle on how they communicate textually. Age and even geographic or cultural background come into play. Quoting again, in Deborah Tannen's book, Conversational Style, for example, she talks about how New Yorkers tend to demonstrate high involvement, meaning you show you're a good person by becoming more involved in a conversation, whereas Californians, Midwesterners, and New Englanders are more inclined to be high considerate, showing you're a good person by not imposing, end quote. But once you get their style, look for indications that they're breaking with their style or pattern because that can indicate that they're upset in some way. And despite the challenges of bandwidth in video calls, it's worth learning more about how to identify micro-expressions, which are small, short facial expressions that can indicate someone's emotion, like a slight raise of the upper lip when someone is angry, or the upper eyelid raising in surprise. David Matsumoto is a master of micro-expression and the director of a company called Humantel, which has a whole guide to pandemic-era communication on its blog, including facial expressions on video calls and also behind masks. One tip is to just get used to the lag and lack of eye contact on conference calls. Try not to read too much into it, either as indicators of discomfort or rudeness from the other person. Overall, the whole thing is just about being aware reading the room, essentially, even when it's a virtual one. The more you understand how others communicate, the better a communicator you will be yourself. And maybe we'll even all emerge from this period of time better communicators than before, instead of even more socially awkward, as is kind of looking to be the case. That is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go design an iconic mask of Robert Catsby. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. 
you'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.